on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Justin and Ailish. We're live at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club for the 28th Annual Jays Care Golf Classic. We'll be doing a four-hour show here, hour one in the books. Dust, the cobwebs are out from our two-week afternoon shows. And uh, we're ready to talk some golf from the course. A perfect way to have this interview. We just... Looking off the back of the clubhouse here into the beautiful Rattlesnake Point, mm-hmm. just looking for the golfers coming in. Uh, let's chat with Michael Breed, host of A New Breed of Golf on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio and host, of course, a record on CBS. Apparently, you picked uh, Harmon to win the Open on your show last week. So are you an oracle? How do you do this? What other predictions? Yeah. Do you have the lottery numbers well. for us? <laughs> Wait, that's exactly right. Wait till you see what happens with the Blue Jays this year. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> oh, tell me, please. We're good. We'll tell the we'll tell the guys no. today when they roll through at the golf tournament. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I what I would say is this. You know, been a great player his entire career. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have the wins. He doesn't have the he he doesn't have the the presence. You don't you don't look at the range and look at Brian Harmon and go. Man, that guy's different. He he is monotonous. He is he plays boring golf. He hits it in the fairway. He hits it on the greens, and he makes putts. You're never going to go. What an amazing shot he hit from the trees uh, or the pine straw like Mickelson did at Augusta. Um, you're not going to get that from Brian. What you're going to get is you're going to get a guy who uh, just bores you to death, and um, that's exactly what you saw from his his performance at the at the uh, Open Championship. Um, he relies on his putting, which is not the modern style of golf. He's a throwback golfer. You know, if you go back to when Tom Watson and Lee Trevino and, and those guys were playing, Nicholas, um, Brian Harmon is five feet seven. That is about the size of the golfer, uh, you know, in 1960, 1965. He's um, probably a full, I, I bet you the average height on the PGA Tour right now is about six two. And Brian Harmon's at 5'7", so he's quite a bit shorter. He's also got, uh, you know, quite a bit less clubhead speed. His driver clubhead speed's right around 109 to 110 miles an hour. Uh, PGA Tour average is about 115. Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, those guys are, are nearing 120 or over 120. So when you start to think about what, what Brian Harmon possesses, he possesses a skill set of being able to drive the ball in the fairway and make a lot of putts. And that recipe can work in uh, a number of different places, but not typically across the PGA Tour. It certainly worked this week. You think about it, not only did the guy win, but he won by six. And that was, uh, I mean, he, he blew the field away. And every time it got close, he went and made a couple of birdies to kind of stretch the lead. Uh, so, you know, what what you have in your Open Champion is a guy that, that plays – sort of throwback golf and many people would call it boring. I would certainly call it uh, exciting to see the way he, he um, did what he did uh, this past week. Something about rain pants that doesn't help you in the height department for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, Looked like shorter. he was shorter than he was wearing those rain and pants. And black shoes. For whatever reason. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's not aesthetically well, that, yeah. either. Yeah, Go ahead, Mike. I'll add to that, you know, his, his caddy that he's, he's with, is six foot four, Bob Tway's brother. Ooh. So they call him Big Country. So you take <laughs> Brian Harmon and put him under an umbrella with that guy next to him, and he's going to look—he's going to look, he's gonna look uh, very, very small. 
yeah, the optics not helping uh, in that regard. Um, yeah, so you nailed it there. Uh, bores you to death. It was kind of the sentiment that a lot of people are talking about during and after the golf tournament where it wasn't the most exciting, but it was because of Harmon's brilliance that put it that way. But there are a couple other things he overcome, right? Uh, it's difficult to lead a golf tournament forever and win it because there's so much pressure that builds and builds and builds. But the other factor was, hey, you're kind of taking this away from Tommy Fleetwood. You're mm-hmm. taking this away from others who we as patrons at the event would rather cheer for uh, when you talk about obviously the golf is the number one accomplishment uh, hitting 59 of 60 inside 10 feet or whatever it was uh, that is an immense accomplishment but overcoming the narrative that he was quote ruining the tournament how difficult is that as a golfer when you are not the person that people are pulling for and in fact you are hurting everyone else's entertainment factor here the fact that Harmon was able to overcome that what does that say about his character well I'll say this you know Look, these guys, they they wake up every morning trying to be the very best that they could possibly be. And when you have a week like Brian Harmon did where um, you, you perform as you need to perform on a Thursday and a Friday, and you, uh, you give yourself a lead of five shots, and the only way that a real close tournament is going to break out is if he falters, which he doesn't, and everybody is rooting for a tournament to break out, um, and it doesn't, all of a sudden you start going, hey, you're ruining my fun. But if you rewind the videotape to 2001 or 2000, when Tiger Woods is doing the very same thing, in fact, by double digits of that, I mean, at a U.S. Open, Tiger's winning by 15. And um, nobody, nobody said that, you know, Tiger ruined the tournament. Everybody said, what an amazing tournament because Tiger was Tiger. I think it's just, there's a style of golf that people play that makes it seem boring. And I think if, if Brian Harmon had had a one-shot lead or a two-shot lead and it, a, a tournament, and I, I'm air-quoting this, and a tournament had broken out, um, we probably would have said the same thing, that we didn't want Brian Harmon to win because nobody knows who Brian Harmon is. We know who Jason Day is. We know who John Rahm is. We know who Rory McIlroy is. We know who Cameron Young is, but none of those guys could play at the level that, that Brian Harmon was playing at. And one of the things that you learn as you, as you kind of wake up on a Monday morning is the depth of the, the field of a PGA Tour event is really, really strong. And the depth of a field of a major championship like this is really, really strong as well. And what Brian Harmon showed you is that in this day and age, with uh, all the conversations that are being discussed about club head speed and ball rollback and live golf and all that other stuff, Brian Harmon took a major championship that everybody was looking forward to. Rory McIlroy is the favorite. He just won the Scottish Open. John Rahm hasn't played in a month, and he's playing some pretty good golf. And Scotty Scheffler is hitting the ball better than anybody on the planet um, has in you know 20 years. And he made he he alone created a boring tournament and. You know what? That that tells you just how good this guy is and how good this guy played. Yeah, I think we also learned that he's a a, a fun guy. Maybe his celebration methods. He's gonna. He got a new tractor. He wants to mow his forty acres of land after he goes to the family lake house. He's got a hunting cabin. Like those barrels of fun. He just seems like a just a regular guy. Like maybe we do need to give a little bit more love and appreciation to the regular folk, the grinder for winning. Uh, he wins three million dollars, of course. Um, anybody else besides Harmon who impressed you most this week? 
You know, it, it's interesting because I think there were a lot of people that are sort of putting themselves back together again. I think one of those players is Cameron Young. And even though Cam didn't uh, have the Sunday that, that he had hoped for, I think Cam ha- has shown over the last couple of weeks that, you know what, he's starting to play really good golf, and he's going to be a very, very important part of the, the Ryder Cup. To that end, Max Homa has had another very solid uh, major championship performance um, and a, a fine round of two under par uh, golf on Sunday, and I, I think those two guys showed me something. But the guy who I was really encouraged about was Jason Day. You know, Jason Day, the, the season that Jason Day has been having this year has been really, really impressive. And then he goes out and he gets the win. And since the win, it's really been kind of uh, not not such great golf for him, but quite frankly. I mean, this is a guy who, as I said, he won the AT&T Byron Nelson a month or two months ago. And since then, he missed the cut at the PGA, he missed the cut at the Memorial, and he misses the cut at the U.S. Open. And you're kind of going, what's going on with Jason Day? And all of a sudden, Jay Day goes out and he finishes tied second in this major championship. And you start to go, you know what, he really is back. And he's one of the most likable guys on the PGA Tour and really uh, that's playing professional golf uh, as a whole. And to see him have the, the week that he had was, was really fun to see. And and it kind of offers up an opportunity for a guy that's uh, going to be 36 in November. So next year, this 36-year-old guy, uh, I think, is going to be a, a big part of, of major championship conversations. So the uh, the tournament is kind of like a good, a good opportunity to make a, a case for yourself to be added to the Ryder Cup. You mentioned that. Um, would Brian Harmon be someone that's now a lock? Is there someone that their stock rised? Um, I mean, Justin Thomas, I have a question about him. Is he on the edge now? Missed the cut in four of his last six starts. Like, should he be someone that is circled around this? The Ryder Cup is kind of where we, we move our attention to next, I think. I totally agree with you. And, and, and you know, I kind of ran some some numbers on the Ryder Cup yesterday. And um, JT is definitely on the outside looking in. And you would not say to yourself, you know what, I think I'm going to pick Justin Thomas to be a part of this team right now. Uh, he's, I think, 14th on the uh, in the projections that I have. And, and I haven't looked at um, whether they have, have added to it or not. But I do think that, that Cam Young made a very good uh, case for himself. I think he's going to play. He'll play um, at least three more events on the PGA Tour as the playoffs kind of uh, start up here in a, in a few weeks. And so I think Cam Young made a, a, a real statement of, you know what, I, I want to be on this team and I deserve to be on this team. I also think Max Homa, who uh, has really kind of shown through the course of the last three years that, that his game is very, very good and he can play under pressure. I think he made a he made a statement, but I do still think that there's a lot of golf um, in front of us. And I think that you know when you start to look at these top three now, which are names, frankly, in the Ryder Cup that you would not have thought would be sitting up top there. You got Scotty Scheffler, yeah, absolutely. Wyndham Clark, you weren't thinking Wyndham Clark was going to be on this this Ryder Cup team. Certainly not at the beginning of this calendar year. Brian Harmon is another one of those guys that you weren't thinking was going to be on this team. And, of course, Brooks Kepka, who is a, a PGA Tour player. You wouldn't have thought that he was going to be on this team. So all of a sudden, this team looks very, very different in those first six spots. And I don't think those first six spots are really going to change uh, that much. Maybe number six will change. It's pretty tight in there. Um, 
in the five six range with with Homa and Cantlay and Xander Shoffley. Um, but I, I do think that those first four spots are are pretty much locked in. And so now you start drifting down to well, Colin Morikawa. Well, he missed the cut. Keegan Bradley, who's at seven. Well, he missed the cut as well. Sam Burns, he missed the cut. Ricky Fowler played nicely, but has he shown us enough? Uh, to, to merit being on that team. And I think that when it's all said and done, I do think Ricky Fowler will be on that team. I do think Colin Morikawa will be on the team, and I don't think Justin Thomas is going to make it. Uh, we're chatting with Michael Breed. Uh, on a scale of like, okay, so you mentioned, I think, uh, you know, there's some automatic qualifiers, but there is a selection process. Um, on a scale to like a complete farce to a true meritocracy, where does the Ryder Cup selection land? Like there are, I've heard some arguments about, hey, this is an entertainment product above everything else. And for that reason, we shouldn't maybe cross Justin Thomas off the list just yet. Like how much does that come into play where you're looking for people who might be featured on full swing to be a part of the Ryder Cup? Where does that land for you? Like, will it be a meritocracy or will there be some uh, obvious uh, preferential treatment to others who might not be uh, necessarily deserving of the honor playing on the Ryder Cup team? I don't. I don't think that 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 will be a, a part of this. I think that the deal is is that uh, Zach Johnson is going to put together the team that he thinks is going to perform the best um, over there in Rome, and I think that you know everybody's got good friends on the PGA Tour. Zach Johnson's been out there for a while, and he knows these guys um, intricately. He has been a vice captain. He has played on these teams. Like he knows these players. And he's the guy to give Brian Harmon uh, the first hug when Harmon comes off of the, the 18th green and not because um, he, he's, you know what, hey, this is a guy who uh, is going to be on my team. I need to give him a hug. This is his good friend. And you got a lot of good friends that are out there. I think that um, what, what Zach Johnson wants to do is Zach Johnson wants to win a Ryder Cup um, outside of the U.S. And I think that's an important thing. And I don't think that, that Zach Johnson is going, well, I've got, I want to get my best friends on this team. I think Zach Johnson is going to go, I want to get the players who are playing the best right now. And unfortunately, Justin Thomas is not one of those individuals. And as much as I like Justin Thomas and as good as Justin Thomas has been through his career and as good as Justin Thomas is going to be, um, you know, in another year or so, Justin Thomas is playing awful golf not it's not it's not good golf. it's awful golf and so i don't think justin thomas is going to be on that team but wouldn't it surprise me if justin thomas was a vice captain but i don't think i don't think justin thomas is going to be uh hoping to, to i mean i think he hopes to make the team but i think realistically he is is quite certain that he's not going to be on that team and i would imagine that that uh that conversation um, has taken place between he and Zach. And unless Justin wins one of these uh, remaining tournaments that he's going to play in his schedule, uh, I think he's going to be on the sideline rooting for the U.S. Michael, where are you at with Victor Hovland? You know, 66 on Saturday, then plus two on Sunday. Um, I, I feel like I put him in my pool every week. I'm like, this is it. This is Victor Hovland's weekend. This is his breakthrough. But he hasn't been able to find uh, that consistency. Is he just still on the cusp, a young guy, still trying to figure it out? You know, it's interesting because I think you can look at the final round of, of this particular Open Championship, and this is where, to me, statistics can get a little bit misleading, right? But I think you can look at this final round and you can go, well, he shot two over. 
But if you go into this day as Victor Hovland uh, on Sunday morning, thinking to yourself, okay, what do I have to do to win? I'm going to have to take on shots that I don't necessarily want to take on or would take on if I wasn't trailing um, by, you know, the, the number of shots that, that he's trailing by. And so at that point, I think that you, you know, you, you put yourself into a position for uh, a car crash. You, you can make double bogeys. You can shoot over par because you've got to be aggressive. Um, and so I think what happens with Victor Hovland is you have a guy who was probably taking on some shots that he didn't need to take on. Um, and I think in an effort to try to do what he can do to win. But when I look at Victor Hovland, I think Victor Hovland is um, one of the very best players on the PGA Tour and has made one of the great strides on the PGA Tour with his short game. And he's done a lot of work with Joe Mayo on that, and it has, it has really um, shown. If you look at the, at, at the year that this guy has had, he made over $10 million. He's seventh in the FedEx Cup points list. He has played 20 events, and he hasn't, hasn't missed the cut. Guy has seven top tens, and 15 of the 20 events that he played, he finished in the top 25. So what do I think of Victor Hovland? I think Victor Hovland shot 73 in his final round um, because Victor Hovland had to try to, to take on some things that he probably didn't need to, uh, to take on, or um, he, he never would have had it. If he, if he went out there and he shot, just take Victor Hovland and say, okay, Vic, go out there and shoot 68. We go, yeah, what a great round of golf. He still loses. And right now, Victor Hovland has taken the next step. And the next step for Victor Hovland is winning a major championship. And when you have that, that quest for winning a major championship, all of a sudden you start to realize that you're riding on the edge. You, I mean, that's the way it is. And so I don't, I don't, really, I don't really look at the round of golf that he played uh, in, on, on Sunday at an open championship to say, you know what, Victor Hovland isn't there yet. And I don't look at the 74 that he had at Augusta National um, in the same way as I look at the 73 that he shot uh, today. The 74 that he shot at Augusta National and finishing tied seventh at the Masters, that's a different round of golf. Even though it's still two over par, it's a different round of golf than this one. This one is the quest. This, this one is, man, you, you got to do everything you can to win. He's not thinking about a top 10. He's not thinking about a top five. He's thinking about winning. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of the way I look at it. I think Victor Hovland is... I think by the time his career is over, I think Victor Hovland will have won at least one major championship, if not uh, multiple. And I think Victor Hovland is a guy who is going to uh, show the world that, that he's just going to keep getting better and better and better and better, and he's only 25 years of age. So how do you, uh, how do you assess Rory McIlroy's major season? Of course, it's been the drought is the drought. We understand where he is. We understand that he had some competitive rounds. We understand that he fell short uh, yet again in terms of bagging that next major championship. Uh, but he's playing well at these events. So it's really difficult to be like overly critical because guys go out there uh, and they, it's just their week. It's just their weekend. They put in a performance that's difficult to beat. And Rory's having good rounds. Rory's having good tournaments, but he's not breaking through in the moments that would get, I guess, the proverbial, proverbial excuse me, mon- monkey off the back. How do you look at his season? How do you look at his Open Championship? How do you look at where his career is at right now? Uh, you sound like an optimistic guy. I-, I mean, I feel like you and I both believe there will be a major championship again in his future. It just didn't happen in 2023. I, I would say that's a very, very accurate assessment of what's going on. I think Rory McIlroy 
Um, had a phenomenal putting year last year, and I think this year has been a little bit less than. He's been a little streaky. I think Rory is a guy who, um, frankly, got caught up in the PGA Tour live uh, uh, debacle that, that we have seen over the last t- couple of years. And I think that he put the tour on his back and he continued to carry that for a while. I think Rory McIlroy had his hopes extremely high for this championship, uh, major championship season, and specifically for Augusta National. And when he missed the cut at the Masters, I think that was a devastating blow. And I think that Rory has done some some really good work with Dr. Bob Rotella. And all of a sudden, what you've seen out of Rory is a guy in the other majors, uh, the three majors, he finished his tied seventh at the PGA Championship, second at the U.S. Open, and tied sixth at an Open Championship the week after he won the Scottish Open. So when you start to look at, at what he has done, and specifically since uh, – and, and, and I, I would I would say this, right? So the, the tournament that you play after such a gut punch as what happened with him at Augusta National, right, which he plays at Wells Fargo, wasn't a great performance um, back in May. But if you look at Rory's last uh, seven or eight tournaments, guy hasn't finished outside of the top ten. And in the major championships, he hasn't finished outside of the top seven. And so how, how would you get grade his major championship season? I would say – Recent memory says it's been great, except you didn't win. And I would say as a whole, if you're Rory McIlroy, it's hard to get by that that Masters. You will because of the help of Bob Rotella, but it's very difficult to get by that. And so I think if you're Rory McIlroy, you're optimistic going into next year's um, season and particularly the major championship season. But I don't think that you were as optimistic as you were going into the major championship season as you were coming into the 2023 season because of what he had done the year before because of where he was in the official world golf rankings because of of what he had done in the playoffs you kind of looked forward to and we all did Rory McIlroy having a great major championship season this time uh, I I would say November December last year we're going this is Rory's going to get at least one major this year maybe two and then all of a sudden, John Rahm gets off to the start that, that he gets off to, and Scotty Scheffler does what Scotty Scheffler does without being able to putt at all. Um, so I think that, that Rory will look back at, at this season and go, it was a nice season, but, the, but boy, that, that Masters really, really hurt. And I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a guy who comes out next year with a different mindset, and that mindset is going to be um, – he's going to be much more – able to smell the roses and kind of enjoy the situation. And I think that's going to be a benefit to him. And I think also, too, what you're going to see out of Rory McIlroy, particularly with this Ryder Cup uh, looming uh, in September, is you're going to see a guy that's going to be really working hard through the remainder of this this year to improve that putting and, and let that putting be as reliable as it was for, for uh, uh, Brian Harmon. Well, major season's over, but lots of golf to be played. And as you mentioned, Ryder Cup down the road. So we will chat with you when the Ryder Cup teams are getting announced. And we'll get your insight on all that. And appreciate you jumping on this morning, Michael. You bet. I appreciate it so much. Have a wonderful day. You as well. That's Michael Breed, host of A New Breed of Golf, Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio, and host of Course Record on CBS. Major season's over. Maybe a little bit unpredictable in terms of the winners, but uh, lots of golf ahead. And we'll continue our golf picks because I'm just crushing Justin in our Fanex Cup standings. Even though we were off the show for two weeks, I did 
win another one. Did you so. get one during it? I think at the tail end. Did. I think you picked. Yeah. Se- did just you pick Sep sure, Straka yeah, on the, the final fo- Friday yeah, morning? We needed were on? the folks to remember that okay, I'm up so you, fourteen thousand to two thousand. Did you go back to the well with Sep? Nope, that was a one time. You didn't have him no, uh, in the open? Okay. I knew he wasn't his time. Um, all right, it's been a while since we got to do this, but it's time for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Yum, yum, yum. Oh, I missed that. I missed it. I've been starving for Great Canadian Meats the last two weeks. Um, all right, let's, uh, well, this is a tough update, but uh, Novak Djokovic have, has withdrawn from the National Bank Open. Obviously, that's uh, here in Canada, in Toronto and Montreal, um, but he announced yesterday that he will be withdrawing from it due to fatigue. He is 36 years old, world number two, um, and says, quote, I have always enjoyed my time in Canada, but after speaking with my team, we believe this is the right decision to take. I really hope I can return to Canada and Toronto in the coming years to play in front of great fans there. So an unfortunate bounce for the Toronto fans. I wanted to see Djokovic here at the National Bank Open. Tired of losing to Alcaraz. He might need a break from losing to the young kid. Yeah, I mean, I, it's still going to be a good event, of course. Yes, still going to be a great event. Lots of big names. Are 41 of 42 with the top. In Montreal. That's, have I mean, a, what, have uh, a, whatever. Yeah. You know, we'll see at the U.S. Open. Maybe Alcaraz can add to his... Uh, resume before they meet again on the U.S. Open stage. Yes, uh, I'm excited for that. That's coming up real quick. It's uh, starting next week, I believe, in the week at the end of the week. Two weeks' time. August 7th, right? We're on the cusp of the National Bank Open, obviously presented by Rogers. Uh, We are here live at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club for the 20th Annual Jays Care Golf Classic. As we said, a four-hour show today. Uh, we have lots of Jays alumni going to start pouring in the doors here. Speaking of pouring, soon. it's raining as we speak. Oh, it is raining. I hadn't lifted my head in a while, and it is pouring rain. That's okay. Just a it'll, flash out. It'll be a little bit of yeah, right. the open. You know, if they were watching golf this past weekend, they'll know how to how to handle the... Hopefully Ricky Romero <laughs> packed his wet pants. That's right. Uh, we do see our next guest standing in front of us, so we will have to take a break to get to him. Robert Witchell, uh, Executive Director of Jay's Care Foundation, will join us after the break. A very special day here for Jay's Care. We'll go through what they're up to uh, countrywide in terms of helping those in need, and we'll chat a little bit more. Uh, we're also giving away concert tickets all week long so we won't tell you who we're giving them away to you have to stay tuned after the break but this week you'll be able to win some bud stage summer concert series giveaways so stay tuned it's fan morning show with justin and ailish sportsnet 590 the fan diving deep into leaps raptors jays and nfl the jd bunkins podcast subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan Justin and Ailish. We're back on the morning grind. We missed our listeners. Glad to be back. Four-hour show today at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club for the 28th annual Jays Care Golf Classic. We got to come last year. New location this year. It's beautiful, except it is raining currently. Um, however, we will brave the conditions to bring you the show and hopefully uh, a day of golf. Uh, Pleased to be joined by Robert Witchell here, Executive Director of Jay's Care Foundation, um, live with the headset on. How's it going? How's it sounding? It's going oh, great. Cool. Everything's sounding good. You You're got a good looking voice. good no, here this morning. You have a morning. radio voice. Well, thank you. That wow. is a pretty good radio voice. That is better like than ours. soothing. Better than ours. Very nice. Uh, well, unfortunately, the weather isn't looking great, but um, the guys will be rolling in quite soon. What do we expect from today's tournament? Well, we're expecting a great crowd, over 280 golfers. We filled this place yet again, thanks to our great supporters. We're expecting 
a lot of alumni. We're, we've got about 20 alumni showing up from all across North America, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So you've been doing this tournament for quite a while. This year's at Rattlesnake Point. Uh, how do you go about choosing the locations? Why this one this time? Well, we've been a longtime partner of Clublink. They uh, treat us very well, and so anywhere they have a facility with two <laughs> Uh, 18-hole golf clubs, True. that's where we're going. So uh, this is a spectacular course. We've been here before, and we're thrilled to be back. So a marquee event, um, I would say probably one of your biggest ones of the summer, at least, and maybe your biggest of the summer. Um, where do the proceeds of today go, and, and how do listeners that aren't able to come today help uh, with Jay's Care? Well, we're um, hoping to raise over a million dollars again this year, so it is one of that's our amazing. big, big golf tournaments. And um, uh, that and our gala, uh, we actually uh, go out to sponsors together with both of them. And so anyone who's interested in mm -hmm. taking part in the fun, they can uh, go to jayscare.com and check out uh, what we have on offer. Um, we're, we're going to be using these funds to expand our programs. We've been growing quite a bit uh, over the last several years. And coming out of COVID, we're finding that kids... Um, have been suffering from mental illness a lot more and uh, there's all sorts of research uh, that's been done about how important sports and getting kids together and growing those connections is fantastic for uh, addressing some of those mental health concerns so uh, we're using these funds we run programs ourselves where uh, we're trying out new things constantly mm -hmm. working with advisors um, all across the country to try and um, innovate and, and create great programs and then uh, we also work with partners and so what we do is co-design programs with partners like BGC's Boys and Girls Clubs mm -hmm. and um, we work with schools all across the country and we co-design programs and then uh, we're helping out with equipment sometimes funding sometimes and um, uh, with all our partners, we provide all sorts of training so they can lead these programs, create inclusive spaces for kids uh, to play, get active, and to create those social connections. Also building ballparks too, building spaces uh, for kids to actually ply their trade, right? So tell us a little bit more about how uh, the Jays Care Foundation, uh, I don't want to call it the fields, but like how you continue to spread uh, and and bring in new facilities for kids to play. Yeah, no, that's country. a great question. Uh, we always in April uh, tend to announce our Field of Dreams mm -hmm. um, uh, winners on Sportsnet Live, and uh, there are watch parties all across the country. Uh, every year we're investing over a million dollars in creating um, either new spaces or upgrading facilities. Uh, in, a, in Next week we'll be actually in Louis Bull, uh, First Nation, which is just south of Edmonton, and uh, we granted them almost a quarter of a million dollars to try and uh, rejuvenate a facility that had been really frequently used and uh, had been uh, basically fallen into disrepair, and they want to uh, revive baseball in their community, so it's uh, that was a very compelling application, and we were happy to help them out, too. So I know you do a lot of work with Indigenous communities because um, back when I was in university, I helped out with the James Bay Girls at Bat um, group, and we went out of Wapiscat, which was really incredible. So that was back in like 2017 or 18. Um, and how important is that for Jay's Care in general and getting out to Indigenous communities and helping specifically with the women's side too? Like that was a girls program, and I thought that was really special specifically for me as a female. But those programs that you do with Indigenous communities. Yeah, I mean, our, our mandate is to level the playing 
playing field for kids all across the country. And so, um, regrettably, what we know is that Indigenous kids don't have the same outcomes as non-Indigenous kids. And so, uh, we have partnered with over 150 First Nations across the country. Um, I have learned personally so much from mm -hmm. these communities in terms of um, their approach to life, their approach to treating the planet in a respectful way. And uh, so that's been a real growing experience for me. And um, the love of life and the joy in these communities is always uh, extremely special. But there are communities that, that do uh, struggle mm -hmm. with outcomes for kids. And so um, we've been uh, investing more and more um, time and effort in uh, funding our First Nations programs. And the program that you um, kindly participated in uh, is still ongoing nice. and it's um, we have uh, communities on the James Bay coast that uh, girls participate in um, they are set up with a local mentor with a, uh, a mentor who's remote and uh, they keep in touch with one another and it's a really a life promotion program as you'll know mm -hmm. um, because we were actually approached by uh, the Ontario government several years ago when there was a, a crisis declared up in Attawapiskat. Mm -hmm. Uh, so big news last uh, last week with a new initiative, Bassett Pitch-In. Uh, obviously, that's a testament to Chris Bassett, Chris Bassett's family wanting to get involved. But tell us a little bit about the genesis of that, that idea, how that came about, how Chris uh, wanted to involve himself. It's uh, it's a big news, obviously, last week, and we want to... Uh Want to hear more about it? Yeah, well, uh, that man is uh, a gem. He uh, <laughs> is uh, just killing it on the uh, ball diamond. And um, uh, he and his wife, Jessica, uh, approached us about it and said, hey, uh, we want to make a commitment to uh, Toronto. We want to make a commitment to Canada as, uh, you know, being signed for three years with the Jays, uh, they really wanted to step up and make a difference. And um, Jessica has a background in education, and uh, they they basically said, "Hey, uh, how can we help the most?" And uh, we put a few ideas in front of them, and um, they they said, "We want to we want to work on a program where um, it doesn't have that much." Um, doesn't have that much uh, publicity. Uh, we want to raise uh, publicity. We know if we get involved, we, we generally uh, don't like, like to be in the background, but if, if we get involved, we think that um, we can raise some more money for Jay's Care besides the 10,000 US per game that Chris <laughs> is donating for mm -hmm. each when he participates in. And so um, immediately we had dozens and dozens new donors uh, step up and so that's been amazing yeah and the more he wins the more everybody wins the blue jays yeah, and a then little extra the on those starts i like those a little a extra lot. on the i believe starts. he's at one hundred and thirty thousand uh, dollars so far so that is absolutely incredible so how does it work if a player wants to have an initiative um but is like oh i don't know what i want to do do you guys provide some feedback do they say i want to help with uh this specific type and goal and then you work together to create like an initiative yeah it, it depends on the player and depends what their interest are sometimes uh, they have a specific um, uh, goal that they mm. want to accomplish and sometimes they're like hey wh what do you have on offer and and the, the nice thing about Jay's care um, like really there is no other organization in MLB that's having this type of impact not only because of the size of Canada but because of uh, the amount of support we get for fans and sponsors across the country and so um, we do work with a number of different kids whether it's new Canadians or indigenous mm. kids our challenger baseball program uh, is phenomenal that's a program for kids living with disabilities and uh, so 
we put it on the table. Uh, every year we are kindly invited to present to the players at spring training. So we go down there, uh, meet with an extended group of mm -hmm. players, and um, uh, sometimes that spurs uh, a thought or an idea. We're talking to Robert Witchell, uh, Executive Director of Jay's Care Foundation here at the Rattlesnake Point Golf Club for the 28th Annual Jay's Care Classic. So the 50-50s, the homestand 50-50s have taken like a life of their own. I don't think it's the first year. It might be the second year of it. Uh, you can explain that for me, but it is absolutely incredible. Million dollars, almost every homestand. Uh, the idea of doing that instead of just the daily 50-50s, where did that come from? Well, uh, it was trial and error, mm. and we like to innovate, and so uh, <laughs> we thought, hey, how about um, rolling a couple of these games together? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the larger the jackpot, mm -hmm. the more exciting it is, and uh, so it's it's turned out to be fantastic, and there are other organizations across professional sports mm -hmm. that are now uh, taking our lead on that, but um, uh, these jackpots are, are getting um, massive, <laughs> and uh, it's it's a real pleasure to talk to some of the winners and hear their stories um, right. about life-changing uh, money, and uh, a lot of the stories are quite, um, quite touching, in fact. Oh. Uh, I always ask this too late, so I won't wait till the end of the interview to ask it. But, uh, of course, the field is set today, but people could still get involved. Uh, is there some way that people listening right now can get involved today? I know, obviously, the Jays Carey Foundation is always uh, accessible to those who want to get involved at any time. But is there any way they can get involved today? I know there's probably some silent auction things going on. I'm not sure what the extent uh, is until uh, for people to get involved now, but if someone listening right now wanted to be involved today, how could they do so? Well, I would suggest going to our website, jerryscare.com, and checking out all the different opportunities. There are, if there, if there are people listening that work with kids that uh, could use a hand, uh, check out our programs. If uh, you want to buy a 50-50 ticket and uh, win some obscene amount of money, uh, <laughs> go ahead and check it out. Um, and there's some great prizes this uh, uh, this this raffle as well as we uh, lead up to um, uh, putting Jose on the, uh, yes. on the level of excellence. So there's some cool prizes involved there. Uh, and then people can uh, also volunteer for our events. Um, and, uh, you know, we're always looking for coaches, teachers who want to mm -hmm. run programs for kids in their communities. Um, lots of opportunities. Amazing. Yeah. So check out jayscare.ca uh, for that. So I know you've been in this role for a little bit. Um, where have you seen Jay's Care grown the most in terms of your your role, your executive director now? But um, it has been developing every single year. We get to come to this tournament, but we hear more and more about programs. Like what has been the most inspiring uh, growth that you've seen? That's a, that's a tough question. I think... Um, uh, well, last year we, we introduced programming for schools, mm. and uh, we know that um, school was shut down, uh, and then all the extracurricular activities seemed to blow up, um, and we, th we thought, hey, how can we help um, schools get uh, more involved and get their kids back on and make it easy for teachers? And so uh, we started our affiliate school program. Mm. They can select from any number of programs that we offer and uh, sign up and get kids more active. And uh, in our first year, we had about 200 schools sign up. Uh, this year, that that spiked, and we have, have over 600 schools now uh, that are running uh, either one or two uh, different programs for kids in their schools to get kids, again, uh, reconnected and um, active. Uh, you touched on a little bit, Robert, but is, you know, uh, from your standpoint and being involved and, and running things, is the sheer scale, like, the most 
intriguing thing, the most rewarding thing? Like, you mentioned how you can present, but uh, players will come up to you. Like, if every player came to you and wanted to do something, it feels like you guys could, right? Because there's almost no boundary. Is that, like, not like, not the most rewarding thing? Because I'm sure there's so many more rewarding things. But just the fact that it's almost untapped and can be untapped, is that is that what makes your position and the position that Jay Scare is in totally unique yeah it's a it's a really good question we we think that um you know uh, for example there are at least a quarter of a million kids living with disabilities across canada and we we grabbed a program that we are now running in conjunction with baseball canada little league canada there were 800 to 1000 kids in that program uh six years ago uh now we've got almost 10,000 kids in that mm-hmm. program and so uh, to your point um that's I- incredible growth but then there's still uh, hundreds of thousands of kids living with disabilities who often don't get to play a team sport and uh this program um does so much more than just uh, offering kids that opportunity. Uh, it offers parents a ten- chance to connect. It's creating uh, social networks of, of parents who are um, trying to help their kids achieve everything that they can. So um, that's just one example. I think uh, there are schools across Canada that can take advantage of these programs. And again, it's very easy. They the the teachers don't need to know how to play baseball mm-hmm. we'll help them with that and uh really it's about um getting kids connected and bringing kids together well we're really pl- uh, pleased to be here and look at the weather it is clearing up as soon as we get off uh, our interview so hopefully uh, it stays like this we appreciate your time and congrats on another great day and i hope uh, everyone listening can, can continue to contribute to jay's care and help with uh, this amazing organization that we get to be a part of so thanks so much well it is great to be here it's great to have the SportsNet team here mm-hmm. i can't say enough uh, shy davidi's going to be yes. here introducing okay. our Wonderful. alumni today um you know ben <laughs> wagner Buck Martinez, Dan Schulman, they all uh, step up and help. And so uh, we're grateful for you being here and you're a great partner. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Well, enjoy the day and uh, we'll keep pumping it up on our show. We still got two <laughs> hours to go here. So thanks for joining yeah, I appreciate us. appreciate it, Robert. Uh, that was Robert Witchell, uh, the executive director of Jay's Care Foundation. As we said, we're live at Rattlesnake Point Golf Club for the 20th annual Jay's Care Golf Classic today. Four hours live back in the saddle, Justin and Ailish. Uh, we'll have some Jay's alumni that will join us a little later in the show. Uh, um, hearing it could be Ricky Romero, it could be our guy Ernie Witt. Uh, there will be lots of guys roaming around, so hopefully we can snag them and bring them on uh, the show. We have uh, today's, there's also some really cool events as well. Uh, closest to the pin, mm-hmm. longest drive challenge, hole in one challenge, there's Jay's Care Trivia, Raffle Silent Auction, and all of this we can, we should have had bets on who's longest drive. We had, what, Jose Cruz Jr. last year? That guy. Uh, I, can, I don't know. If, I don't know if we bet on him. I think but we had he him could crush win. the ball. He was. He's an opposing figure. Yeah. Yeah. I would be betting on sure. him for that. We'll yeah. ask Ricky. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you there. Okay. Uh, we're giving away tickets as well. Um, so. We will do that right now on Fan Morning Show. We'll be giving away tickets all month long as a part of our Bud Stage Summer Concert Series giveaway. Today we have one more pair of tickets to give away for Foreigner playing at Bud Stage tomorrow night. All right, so get on this. Uh, to enter, all you have to do is text the code word in, and it is double vision to 59590. Again, that's double vision. There's a space between double and vision. Okay, I want you to win the ticket, so get this right. <laughs> 59590. If you don't win with us, you can secure your tickets by going to ticketmaster.ca. You can tune in tomorrow because we're giving away tickets for Blue Rodeo. 
all the dads are fired up for Blue Rodeo. So that is Double Vision 595.90. That is for our Bud Stage Summer Concert Series. Foreigner, tomorrow night at Bud Stage. We've got, they're, they're flying in the text line already. Lots of double vision. Uh, we got a full lineup of guests still to come. Shoelle Lee will join us after the break. Um, he's our Blue Jays broadcaster, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. A pretty good weekend um, to look back on um, in terms of fan base in Seattle. Might be one of the best. Um, I, I know all the Blue Jays were talking about how proud they are to play in Seattle when they're on the road because it is like home away from home. You know, the, the guys are saying it's just a spit- spectacular ballpark to play in. Yeah, lots of good things to dig in with uh, with show. Uh, things that are pretty meaningful as we approach the trade <laughs> deadline here uh, mm-hmm. for the Toronto Blue Jays. Some movement in the bull f- bullpen, uh, a new face that's mm. going to be uh, featured I I would imagine pretty soon here in Henesis Cabrera. Uh, but yeah, I think Nate Pearson is the most interesting storyline right now uh, yeah. for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, demoted at the end of that series. Uh, and uh, I'm not really sure what that means for his immediate future. I guess his immediate future is he's going to be working on some things uh, at the minor league level, but where that leaves Pearson, where that leaves the bullpen, a lot of balls seem to be in the air for this Blue Jays team, so it'll be good to catch up with show to discuss those at 8 a.m. I did want to mention, because I don't know if we're going to get a chance a little later. Are you going to mention Messi? I did want oh, to mention. I was just looking for the one, one paper that I had on Messi, too, I, because uh, yeah. we need to bring up Messi. we, we got to bring up Messi because it was kind of like a star-studded effect fair at uh i believe it's drive pink stadium that's in miami i was a little confused by that (laughs) but you got like lebron james there gloria Mm -hmm. estevan was there kim kardashian was there serena williams was there everybody was out there in miami watching the debut of leo messi who i think came at around the 55th minute a little bit after halftime scored the winner off a free kick with his left foot in extra time to beat Cruz Azul. You so can't make things, that stuff up. Like it just felt so inevitable watching that game. What was going to happen? And then I was like, oh, it's actually not going to happen. He's not going to be able to have that breakthrough moment. It's not going to be this feel good story. And then they get a foul at a good spot just outside the box, and it was like butter. It was <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful, messy. Only Messi. People can were pull crying. That off free kick. Crying. And in it the was stands, just like, Justin. yeah, it was just like a new, like you could not have a better debut. You could not have a better moment to start off your tenure with a new club, with a new league in North America, mm-hmm. in a new continent. Like, I don't even, like, what that means, a win over Cruz Azul, I think nothing. But the fact that this team, which is now trying to be like Barcelona in the mid or the early 2010s, uh, because they're adding all these guys, like, it's going to be they're very, going very interesting <laughs> to <laughs> see all, that, place. all this. <laughs> Uh, sort of like uh, manifest itself, what it all looks like at the end. But what we wrote, know right now, if Messi's going to be in the lineup, if he's going to get free kicks, if he's going to play against lesser competition, he's, he's going to absolutely torture teams. And I, for one, am here for it. It's going to be a lot of fun watching Messi and MLS. 22,000 spectators, obviously a sellout crowd. Uh, they're back in action Tuesday. It, they're like must-watch games now. <laughs> like, you know, I love the TF- TFC games, but if you have an opportunity to watch... Miami, you're going to have to watch because Messi's doing things that are making people cry in the stands. And uh, I like the pink jerseys. I do, too. I would like to get my hands on one. I took a look. Um, You look good in that jersey. He looked great. Uh, I don't, you know, not not many pink jerseys in uh, the world of sports, but I would buy that. And I looked it up. um, I came across my feed that they're sold out for the next six months, I believe. They're having trouble even producing them fast enough, whether they're blank jerseys or messy jerseys there's like a worldwide shortage of these jerseys so good luck um but 
one day I'll get my hands on one of those, and I could wear it to Barbie tonight. It would have been perfect. It would have been perfect to Barbie. Would have been perfect. Um, okay, we got another ooh, two hours, Justin. We'll be all right. This is uh, we're back in it real fast here. Uh, Show Ali joins us after the break. Uh, let's talk about this weekend matchup against Seattle and look forward to the Dodgers. 10 p.m. first pitch tonight. Jose Barrios on the mound. And the trade deadline is a week and a day away. Lots of questions to be answered. Shoah Lee joins us after the break on the Fan Morning Show with Justin and Ailish, Sports at 590 Fan.